I was in a church nursery the first time I paid any attention to that verse 51 of today's reading. Someone had made a beautiful cross-stitch hanging there on the wall of the, of the nursery. They were using a different version than what we read today. It, it went like this, listen, I will tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed. I think that should hang in every church nursery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Not just in nurseries. It should hang in our homes, in our hearts. We shall all be changed. I trust in that. I have faith in God's transformation, mostly because, well, mostly because I need it so desperately. I read Genesis, and I hear the story of God creating and God delighting in all of creation each day, looking out and saying, this is good, this is good, this is good. I trust in this goodness of creation. But I also read of Adam and Eve taking fruit, the one command they were given, taking fruit and, and, and wanting that, that fruit of knowledge of good and evil. And God responding to them with, here are the consequences of what you have done. You have, you have destroyed your relationship with one another. You have destroyed your relationship with creation. Creation itself is impacted by what humanity does. You have, have made it so that, so that when you sow grain, not only grain will come up, but weeds as well. It is a different world from what God originally created. Instead of a world in which animals come up to Adam to be named, it is a world in which animals run in fear from humanity. And it is a world of pain in childhood and pain in death, except there's that possibility, God notes, they're still in the garden, and there in the garden there is not just the tree of knowledge of good and evil, There's a garden of a tree of life. And if they take from that fruit, they could live forever. Live, knowing there is such a thing as good and evil, and at times thinking, well, the good is good enough where I'll just take the evil to get that good. That's not God's way. Times of of choosing that which is not God's way. God does not want them to live forever in sin and in the consequences of sin. And so God sends them out of that garden where the tree of life is, places an angel with a sword flaming to guard the way. God cannot bear that Adam and Eve live out eternity that way. That is the beginning of our scripture, and the end echoes it. At the end of scripture, we have another tree. At the end of scripture, we have a promise of life eternal. This time in Revelation 22, an angel shows John of Patmos the river of the water of life, 
bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and through the middle of the street of this city. And on either side of the river is the tree of life, 12 kinds of fruit each month. And the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. When will transformation happen? It is on the earth now, when we first sleep. Is it all later, after the resurrection of bodies? Is it immediate, like a fire that burns away all that is wrong within us, like the fire that that cleanses the the gold out of the ore and, 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 and sifts out the gold from the dross? Is it... Is it, is it a, a fire that cleanses immediately so that we are no longer that which is both holy and unholy? Is it a slow process? Twelve kinds of fruit. Fruit each month. Leaves for the healing of the nation. Healing and cleansing and transformation are all part of this idea in our creed of resurrection of the body. Our creed in the original language that was used didn't say body. It wasn't using English. It was resurrection of the flesh. We can't get away with saying, well, it's the body of Christ. <laughs> or it's a, it's a spiritual... It's, Resurrection of the flesh, a physical body. And Christians, Christians have wrestled with this over time. What does that mean? If you look at our church cemetery and most other church cemeteries, you'll see that, that the, the cemeteries are aligned so that the feet of bodies are on the side that is Facing the rising sun. Drives me crazy sometimes. I'm one of these that wants everything to be lined up straight or lined up perpendicular. We've got this road here and this church over there that's perpendicular to the road. And the cemetery is not straight with rest. But they line it up, line it up, so that in the resurrection, when Christ comes from the east, they look up. They rise up, and the first thing they see is the face of Jesus Christ who loves them, who loves them. And that's why they bury in that direction with a desire that the first thing they see is the face of Jesus Christ. This idea, this idea of, of bodily resurrection is, is, is something that that's, that's raises a lot of questions. One question that early Christians were asked about the resurrection of the body was, well, well, what if it's a sailor and their body is at the bottom of the ocean and fish eat their fingers and toes? They're going to be raised without fingers and toes? They're going to have to live eternally without fingers and toes? What about the one who dies in a house fire? What about them? What about those ashes? And whose body will that person return? 
Then there's the story of King Peter I of Portugal and the love of his life, Inez Castro. They were never married. Peter was married when they met. And after his wife died, he wanted to marry Inez, but his father was king and would not allow this. His father kept trying to arrange other marriages to someone more suitable, and Peter refused until his father had Inez murdered. Two years later, Peter became king, and he moved her body to this coffin you see on the screen at the monastery of Alcaboca. And there across the room is another coffin, and the coffins are positioned feet to feet. That was Peter's request, believing that at the resurrection, Peter and Inez would rise from their graves, and the first thing they would see would be one another. They could not be together in this life, but they would see one another first and the next, and the next. So many ideas, ideas about what resurrection, what resurrection will mean. Paul tells us elsewhere in this chapter in 1 Corinthians 15 that Christ is the firstborn of the dead. The first fruits is the language that he used. And the first fruits, if you've, if you've had, if you've had a garden or, or tomato plants or something like, you know that that first vegetable, that first fruit, well, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. And it gives you a taste of what else is going to be born from that plant. You taste that first tomato, it is heavenly, and you just know the rest of the crop is going to be so, so good. And to say that Jesus is the first fruit is to say that there is more fruit to come and that this fruit will taste the same, appear the same, come from that same, same type of plant, same type of being. And what did the resurrection body of Jesus look like? He appears, he appears to the disciples behind locked doors. It appears that the resurrection body of Jesus can do things, go places, and in ways we cannot. And yet, and yet he tells Thomas, touch Touch the scars, touch the wounds, and he eats with them. He walks with two disciples journeying to Emmaus. They don't recognize him until his body lifts up the bread and blesses it. He stands with Mary outside the tomb. She does not recognize him until his voice says her name, and she responds, Rabuni, my Rabuni. No one expects, no one expects resurrection, and yet, and yet there he is, there he is. 
1 John tells us, Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When we see Jesus, when he is revealed, we will be like him. We will see him as he is. It is a mystery, this idea of resurrection of the body and yet so important because what we are saying is that bodies are important to God, that God looks out on a human world, a physical world, and says, this is good, that God cares about creation, and that God shapes humans out of dirt and breathes the very breath within them. And God, Jesus, becomes flesh because creation is loved by God. Creation is seen by God as good. People loved by God. And God takes on flesh. God is incarnated. God is incarnated. Jesus seemed to care for our souls, offers forgiveness, offers life, and for physical bodies. He heals the blind, heals the lame, calls out to Lazarus from the grave. Bodies matter. Bodies matter. The book of Revelation describes not an ending in which the world is destroyed. God, like in the time of Noah, says, no more, I give up, it's all over. No, Revelation describes a time in which the city of Jerusalem in heaven comes down to earth and becomes part of earth incarnation again incarnation again god at work again loving creation so much that god wants to be with creation a new creation not the one that came about because of sin but a new creation in which there are trees for the healing, a new creation in which bodies do not die, a new creation, a healing which there are no tears, in which death itself, death itself is conquered. I take this Take this with joy and hope. This God who at the beginning of the creed we're told creates and then in the middle sends Jesus, becomes flesh incarnate, lives with us, dies with us, and raises with us. And then sends that Holy Spirit that binds us, binds us, to Jesus, binds us to one another.
in our Apostles' Creed, we say what we believe. These are the words that came about because of baptism, a time in which people said, I trust in this God, this God who created. I trust in this God, this God who, who came and walked among us, lived and died and was resurrected. I trust in this God who was present through the Holy Spirit in the Holy Catholic Church, this God who forgives sins and this God who will one day, one day, resurrect and there will be life. Life everlasting. I believe, I believe in a trustworthy God, a God who is so totally committed to what God has made and loved and worked with, all directed toward our flourishing and healing. Our vision, our belief, our trust in is a God who will not let creation go, will not let us go, even on the far side of death. It is good. It is good. What God has created is good. And what God has created for this new creation, for this next life, I can only trust is so much better. So much better. God takes what we have done with this world and makes it new. God takes us and makes it new. Jesus says, Jesus says that what the Father has given him, he does not lose any bit of. And until that day, of resurrection, we can trust that every smile, every welcome, every prayer makes a difference. Every time that we help someone, we may not be able to see it, but it is not lost. It is part of that new creation. Every time that we tell someone of the love of Jesus Christ for them, this is something God uses in new creation. God, God shows us the first fruits in Jesus Christ. It is a mystery, and yet we trust that the goodness God has created in this world, the family, the friends, the love, is only, is only a glimpse of what is to come. Let us pray. We thank you, dear God, that nothing can separate us from you. Nothing can separate us from you. And we trust in that promise eternally. Amen.